0: listening to the academy revival podcast this is drew resident of the montevilla neighborhood and huge fan of the academy theater here with doorman what's up
1: hey drew it's been a crazy month we've had a lot going on at the academy um we yeah had- we're just talking about barbie and oppenheimer right yeah <laughs> i mean it was is it was, it was an explosion yeah, yeah it was quite a phenomenon, you know, ongoing. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's really, you know, annihilated some of our staff, you know, a big shout out to Phoenix, one of our managers who's really taken the brunt of some of those 630 Barty shows and done a really good job. Um, Part of another reason why it's been so crazy is because we have also started a new POS system for our registers, right. which uh, was a stepping stone towards online tickets, uh, which I am proud to say right now uh, is live. We yeah, Heck the, yeah. The Academy Theater now has online tickets. Welcome to the club.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it seems like it's been a long time coming, um, and I'm really glad that we have uh, this podcast to talk a little bit about. Uh, stuff like the online tickets, and I can give people a little insight as to, you know, why we didn't have online tickets and um, uh, just why it's taken us till now to get it. Um, And, you know, basically just a quick history, you know, just the Academy is filled with movie lovers who, you know, maybe aren't the most digital savvy people, but before the pandemic, it just really was you know, business was strong and we didn't have online tickets, but it really didn't seem to be Um, an issue and then after the pandemic when we reopened it was very clear that times had changed and that this was uh, a sort of an inconvenience to our audience that we really wanted to change Um, we wanted to get online tickets but we had to prioritize getting some new projectors. So we've upgraded all of our projectors and they look fantastic. And uh, I'm really, you know, really excited about our presentation now. Um, And I won't go into exactly what was wrong with the old projectors now. It's kind of a long, sad story, but basically digital projectors are finicky in certain ways and expensive. Um, And so now we have, sort of completed that. And, uh, we moved forward with getting uh, a new POS system and the first, uh, sort of iteration of our online ticketing system. So I really encourage people to use it. I know it's a sort of infantile stages right now. It's, it's not the most user friendly and eventually we will be upgrading and we're kind of considering our options on that front, but it works now. And, um, I really encourage people to use it because a lot of these show times, uh, a lot of these shows are going to be um, getting pretty popular. So Um,
0: the easiest ways to get to it, in my opinion, one, just the academy.com, the academytheater.com homepage.
1: Yeah, it's academytheaterpdx.com is our (laughs) official website. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so if you make it to, because I was landing on like, the now playing page. You want to go to the homepage. There's a link to online tickets there. And I believe um, there's, now a... there's more links yeah, on the show. There's more links now as well. Yeah. You can also, I think a lot, the way a lot of people look for movie tickets is just Googling yep. the show time, just Academy theater show times. And you'll be able to, click to it from there as well. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I believe so. And you know, that might change a little bit in the coming weeks, but, um, the message I'm getting from above that I'm relaying to everybody is that we've got a system rolling and we're going to stick with it for a little bit before we radically change anything. Yeah.
0: What's really nice. Um, it's been, it's so funny now that I moved into the neighborhood and got over the initial, um, confusion of there not being online tickets. I've, like, I'm spoiled because it's not a big deal if you live beside the theater to walk exactly. up and buy tickets. And not since you know I've lived here has there been a, a Barbie situation, Absolutely. where I was you know, uh, I was buying tickets to the uh, Academy Show Times for Barbie because I was here in the neighborhood and, and handing them off to them. Um, so for me, it's like now I've gotten used to just walking up, but anyone that doesn't live in the neighborhood and wants to assure themselves that they can go to the showing that they want in advance. It's really nice. Obviously it's just kind of what people are used to. Um, but there's still the option of course, to walk in and and just walk up and buy tickets.
1: Um, and now you can walk up and buy them for future dates, um, as well. But I, I, I echo that sentiment in in a little different way just because, Uh, You know, I've been a regular supporter of the Academy just watching movies in addition to working there. Um, And, you know, I just kind of love... It's, it's it's a little bittersweet for me because it's sort of the end of an era where you just showed up a little early and got your ticket, and if it was really a really movie you were super uh, you know desperate to see, you showed up even earlier to get it, and and now that that era is changing a little bit, you can pre plan. There's good things and bad things, but I, I guess part of me is a little nostalgic all if already for the the pre online ticket era. But um, there is one big yeah.
0: surprise though um, that I know we were both um excited to find out the speaking of the nostalgic component there is a added benefit yep. of the new system this, this is true yeah i don't know if you want to reveal the geekiest um, most exciting no, part of this but there is oh, yeah. um, we were, we
1: we're excited you texted me about it <laughs> yeah. i was yeah
0: <laughs> there are paper um ticket stubs yeah uh, my girlfriend has a huge jar um that we went through like a while ago of, of the ticket, all the movies she's seen since she was like in high school movies oh my goodness. with wow, her dad amazing. movies, like a real kind of nostalgic trip. So usually when we see a movie together, I give our stubs to her. Um, cause I have some in my fridge <laughs> over there. Um, but like, yeah, it's exciting to just see the ticket, have a physical, uh, memento for,
1: uh, your visit to the theater. Absolutely absolutely I agree it it is something that I am I always had I've been pushing for sort of quietly but um It just wasn't a a giant priority um, to get a physical ticket system going, but now this is sort of just an added bonus, Um, and uh, I'm really yeah it's it's gonna it's gonna make the whole experience, and especially with the revival series, where some of these movies are very rare opportunities to see them on the big screen, and it's gonna document it in a in a in a very memorable way. That was a very nice segue, <laughs> speaking of right. the revival series. And before, and before we jump into these, these movies, which we should definitely jump into, I just want to say the other update I wanted to talk about was that our poor box office window oh. has gotten smashed by some vandals, um, and uh, they did break in. Nothing was taken, thank God. Not, um, the, ma- not the mask. No, no, thank God, the creature yeah. mask <laughs> is a, is fine. Our mascot, yep. yeah, our unofficial mascot now. But yeah, so uh, just some smashed glass. Everyone's okay, um, but it has complicated um, our ticketing process, and we're asking people to be very patient with us as they do their ticketing inside. Um, so yeah, let's. That's there are my brief announcement on that. Uh, let's jump right head first into the August 23 revival program. I'm so excited. We got six movies to talk about that are going down over the course of three weeks. The first week, August 11th through 17th, I'm very, very proud to announce we're getting the return of The Road Warrior from 1981, aka Mad Max 2. The gasoline will be ours. Just walk away. There it is. Thousands of gallons, as much as you want. Anyone's gonna get in there, it's gonna be you. Okay, so who's gonna drive the tanker? You wanna get out of here? You talk to me. Alright, alright, here's the description. A lone hero battles for the future of mankind. In 1978, a young film director released his first commercial feature, Mad Max, and the moving-going world was astounded by an all-out cinema blitz that became an instant cult classic. Now, director George Miller has gone a dramatic step further in conception and technique. The result is The Road Warrior, an epic of action and carnage that comes to you full speed sweeping you into a dreamlike landscape where the post-nuclear future meets the mythological past. It's one of the most mind-blowing stunt films ever to hit the screen. In, the most popu- in his most popular movie role, Mel Gibson plays Max, who drives the roads of outback Australia in a never-ending search for gasoline. Lining up against him are the bizarre warriors of Lord Humongous, decked out in heavy metal costumes and heralding a new barbarian age. The battle is joined over a fuel depot encampment, and the results are savage and spectacular. Miller, who co-directed this equally spellbinding successor, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, credits as source material everything from Arthuria- Arthurian legends to comic books and samurai movies, wherein the hero, Miller says, is always alone, fairly a moral seeker. There's no real hope for him, because, but because of some particular... Talent he's got, like Max's skill on the highway, he's able to give to a new order. The road mo- with the road warrior, the new order is born, and it's a blast. All right, that was a little long description. Oh but no, I was, I'm, definitely I'm definitely enthralled. Me, <laughs> yeah, definitely got me excited. Yeah, that was. I, I think most of that was taken from one of the Laserdisc release. I, it it might have been a VHS, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a good. That was a good description. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um.
0: So this is a movie that, I mean, I have very vivid memories of seeing the most recent Mad Max Fury Road in yep. theaters yeah. three times in like a week. And obviously I didn't have the opportunity to see the original or, you know, the the sequel in theaters. So, I mean, being able to see this on a big screen, the stunts are, I have seen, um I have seen it not that long ago. Uh, at home and i can't imagine um seeing these stunts like they are on par if not you know way more impressive than any modern day stunt choreography and just the you mentioned the costumes the production value of this is like above and beyond any it's the of the effort that goes yeah. into it's modern movies it's yeah. it's crazy it always blows my mind that they used to put so much more effort. I mean, practical effects are um, something, you know, everyone talks about, but just production value, costuming, all of that is like um,
1: almost a lost art. Absolutely. And and this one was so, you know, every movie, this one was so revolutionary. I mean, it's, it's an action movie first and foremost, and the stunts are there and Australians love their stunts, but also just the production design Birthed a whole, basically a whole new genre of fashion. Yeah, you know, I, I used to when I was younger. I considered this to be the steampunk movie. And a couple years ago, when we played it, I I was reminded that, or I was corrected that this is not a steampunk movie. Steampunk is specifically a Victorian era. Recalling and redoing, uh, this is a diesel punk movie. Oh, okay. I guess pr- if you want to be more accurate, it's a gasoline right. punk. I mean, but there's yeah. not people they're getting petrol, but um, I'm sure there's some diesel involved too. Petrol uh, punk does have a yeah. good ring to it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But it is a very specific genre that has you know tropes and stuff. And but the but the production design really heralded you know a new kind of just aesthetic and style. Um, and so that's just a great experience to see on the big screen. Uh, it's going to be, it's a perfect summer Australian outback movie, and seeing it with the crowd. They're going to be, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a big fun flipping time. Um, <laughs> and, you know, one thing I do, you, one question I have for you, do you want to see Mel Gibson eat a can of dog food? <laughs> I do. Um, yes. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I
0: need to, um, remind myself of like the consistency and the, the, the wetness of the dog food, <laughs> all <of> the <laughs> the goodness of, you know, fine dining and post-apocalyptic, yep. um, <laughs> Australia.
1: Um, yeah, and to me, it's also a kind of a special sentimental value because, um, the very first movie I ever saw at the Academy that kind of, uh, awakened me to the glory of the Academy was, uh, Mad Max, the first one. Oh, wow. And so it was a personal mission for me to get the, uh, second one played when I started and I, I really love seeing it on the big screen and it, it really is a movie that I try to try to see with a crowd I, I it's 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 in a camp that I, I really don't like watching it at home as much i really try to watch it with people and i'm, I'm really glad to see it come back uh, yeah. on the screen
0: the, the the last thing i'll say is um i hadn't seen the original for yeah. a long time if ever until i was re-watching the second one yep and that's a very quiet um kind of like personal drama compared to what you think of as the mad max franchise the action like high octane explosive mad max uh journey really kicks off with the second one the first one's interesting for that reason because it has a much more subdued kind of like um well i shouldn't say subdued style it's just not as many huge action set pieces and big sets it's a low budget the drama is like really grounded in personal tragedy um but anyway, the the second one, because the naming conventions are confusing. I don't yep. even know if I knew which one was
1: which. So like... Mad Max 2 <laughs> is the original Australian title. okay, And it was re-released in America as the Road Warrior, basically just disregarding the first Mad so Max altogether. To kind of make it altogether.
0: seem like it was the start. Uh, Yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know how the original Mad Max did in America exactly, but it was a big hit in Australia and enough to get George Miller backing to – uh, make you know the glory of mad max 2 is you know you know the high octane yeah um version and that's really it's you know we talked a little about terminator and terminator 2 you know this mad max 2 is a sequel that's similar where you know he was able to just get this budget and just explode the whole thing so you really don't need to see mad max 1 to get mad max 2 um, and a lot of people just for most for most fans, I believe it's it's the definitive movie in the franchise. Um, everything is kind of in comparison to right. that. Yeah, excellent. Okay, what's, cool. What's so that's next? that's our first movie, and uh, the second movie for August eleventh through seventeenth is uh, the return from our horror of our horror series, um, and it is madman from 1981 so we have two movies from 1981 oh, going down which is a year i i really love in cinema there is a tale it was a night like tonight many years ago there is a legend if you say his name above a whisper he'll get you <laughs> There is a warning. On certain nights, when the moon is full, he's out there stalking in the woods. Um, here's the description of Madman. They thought they were alone. Years ago, Madman Mars violently murdered his family only to escape into the woods before his execution could be completed. Legend has it that anyone who calls his name above a whisper. <laughs> Can summon him back to continue his bloody rampage, but teenage Richie, away at camp, doesn't believe the old legend and calls his name. Oh, God damn it, Richie. They, people always do that in <sighs> movies. As night falls, strange things start happening at camp. So yeah, that's a nice oh okay short, that was shorter sweet. yeah um, much short, I was sweeter. I was settling in for yeah, yeah. campfire <laughs>
0: tale um, which is
1: how it uh, it is you know it's really famous for its opening scene where they tell or the character Max who is a slasher more you know, tie-ins more yeah we have nineteen eighty one two Maxes <laughs> but Max is one of to me the cult cult iconic figures of slash of this era of slasher movies. And every horror fan needs to confront Max. He's a great, he uh, Max is the, um, so it takes place in a summer camp. This is a summer camp slasher. We try to do one of these every year if possible. Um, Last year we did Friday the 13th part four, and that was a total blast. If you haven't seen that one, you got to see it. Crispin Glover does an amazing dance number. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, But here, this month, we're doing Madman and Max, you know, maybe, I think another, sort of an analogous figure is maybe Reggie from Phantasm. Okay. He's just an amazing, I just, everything that comes out of his mouth is just gold, and um, Max, is he's the... Older guy at camp who's in charge of all the camp counselors who are the nefarious teenagers, but he's just got a great sense of humor. Um and the movie just it's really famous for this opening scene where Max tells the the legend of Madman Mars. Yeah. So you just called me out unknowingly,
0: um, as a big horror slasher fan, specifically the summer camp subgenre Sleep Away and The Burning and yep. and Um Plenty more are some of my, it's kind of just one of my favorite aesthetics. I've been trying to kind of like um, rack my brain this summer to find some new options. So <laughs> thank you uh, for, for her. I mean, I, I knew about this movie, but for some reason I haven't haven't seen it yet. So I'm super psyched for it. And, you're, and yeah.
1: You're not alone. It, you know, this movie, I feel like really came on everybody's radar in the Blu-ray Sort of era because of vinegar syndrome, so vinegar syndrome if you're not aware um, as some people are sure are aware, is one of the biggest independent blu ray labels and Madman is really a cornerstone of their catalog they've reissued it on four k and it's it's just a banger it's a classic that people that slip through the cracks um, and I'll just kind of contextualize it a little bit in terms of other slashers so I'm sure you know, but in case anybody else doesn't, that you know the wave really started in 1978 with John Carpenter's Halloween, um, and after that, you know, it was kind of like I always compare it to Nirvana's Nevermind when it <laughs> came out in 1991. That any band that was slightly similar that had some plaid was suddenly given a major record deal and put on MTV. So uh, similar things happened in 1979 with any horror movies, Phantasm's one that wasn't even really remotely similar, but got a huge release and became a hit um just because of uh studios looking to back similar movies. Um and so Friday the thirteenth was the first ripoff of Halloween um to be set in the woods and did fantastic numbers. And so People, the studios were already looking for these low-budget horror movies to back after Halloween. But then after Friday the 13th happened, yep. they were scrounging for any woods. It was just—they uh, were desperate for more Friday the 13th. And so this movie was already kind of in the sidelines of production. It, it wasn't totally a complete script by any means but this movie and The Burning kind of were racing each other um, to become the next woods slasher. I guess I call them backwoods slashers, Um, and... You know, there are several other really good ones that I like. Just Before Dawn, Don't Go Into the Woods Alone is really fun. You mentioned Sleepaway Camp. Um, but Madman, to me, it, it really holds a special place. The, it has a great soundtrack, you know, checks all the boxes for me. The kills are super fun, has a great cast of campers and nefarious counselors and st- um, stuff. So it's it really... It really holds its own and is, is very unique at the same time. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's just a ripoff of a ripoff. You know, it's 1981, and, and uh, it, it's not super diluted. This is very early in the, in the slasher craze still. Right. Um, and, you know, I always I kind of say 1981. Jason doesn't even have a hockey mask yet. (laughs) Famously, yes. Yeah, so we're still in a freshness that's just really compelling. Um, So I I guess another one that's not a backwoods slasher that comes to mind is My Bloody Valentine. I think I like My Bloody Valentine a couple strokes more than Madman, but I I think Madman as a summer camp slasher is really comparable, uh, same year and just a great uh, part of the like. og slasher pantheon and uh adept listeners might have seen this coming if
0: they recognized the music at the end of our last episode yep maybe we'll do that in the future when we can tease something without without saying it um so you could listen for future hints (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's a really fun soundtrack that, like my buddy Valentine, it has like a a song to beware the Madman Mars. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's and Madman Mars is just a really great uh, villain. <laughs> He's just a really cool horror villain that is yeah, super super fun.
0: We might have mentioned this movie last time. Um, I mention it a lot <laughs> when you were talking about an opening with the campfire story of Madman Max. That's like the yeah. ridiculously long and awesome opening of the fog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. they tell like a ten minute monologue Absolutely. and then I I always time John Carpenter movies and look at what at what point in the runtime they actually start the credits mm-hmm. and that was one of the longer ones. Wow. It's like twelve or sixteen minutes oh, into wow. the movie that's, before they even start the credits. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they go on forever because he just like lets each name linger on the screen or takes like huh. five second breaks in between the next name. Something to look out for in John Carpenter movies when they're playing like the awesome background music or the awesome score under the, the title sequences. So that's um, great, great I, obviously I'm excited for, for Madman's right up my alley and, and I haven't gotten to see it before.
1: And, and if you can folks, I don't know how the schedule is going to allow for this, but it's a great pair. If you come for road warrior afterwards, stay for Madman, Madman. It's a short one. It flies by it's 88 minutes um, and it would be a great, date night double double feature you know just the adrenaline gets up with um road warrior and then you you stay for some campfire tales afterwards okay um madman okay so let's move on to week two and this is august 18th through 24th got the return of a total academy summer classic it's the creature from the black lagoon from 1954
0: science couldn't explain it but there it was alive in the deep deep waters of the amazon a throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago immensely strong and destructive a woman's beauty the bait that brought it out of its lair see underwater thrills never photographed before see titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventure
1: So here's the description perfectly blending universal's classic monster heritage with the science fiction explosion of the 1950s creature from the black lagoon tells the mythical story of a dangerous half human half fish creature lurking in the depths of the Amazon after discovering a unique prehistoric claw fossil on an expedition deep in the jungle Scientists investigate its origins, which lead them directly to a mysterious creature. Led by ichthyologists, which is the study of fish, I looked that up. Okay, Ichthyologist <laughs> David Reed, played by Richard Carlson, the men try to capture the monster who has become obsessed with David's assistant, Kay played by julia adams directed by sci-fi horror legend jack arnold who directed it came from outer space and also tarantula all right so this movie i mean there's there's a few movies to me that just when i think of the academy um you know instantly come to mind but i don't think any of them comes close to the creature from the black lagoon Um, and if I had it my way, we'll play this movie every single summer and seeing it at the Academy is a, I I really, I really think it's a, it's a super special thing. The crowd comes out for it and you see kids respond to it. It's, it's a beautiful experience. And and every year I, I, you know, every time it plays, I, I really make a point to see it. Um, and, um, just, it's just one of those monster movies that really gets people going, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and, the, you know it's you know the creature he's kind of become our mascot now right. because one of our uh, employees has a creature mask that uh, he left at the theater, and we've kind of taken to doing practical jokes with it and stuff um walking around the neighborhood with the creature mask and everything
0: yeah check the inst- the academy Instagram account or yeah. shenanigans <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> um but in it it really all it really kind of started with i believe it was twenty sixteen when we had a visit from julia adams um she came to the academy did a signing we all watched the creature from the black lagoon um i have my vhs signed by julia um it was really she i I think the the story that uh, my partner always reminds me of is that i was sweeping up the theater um after the film and uh this is before i became a manager and stuff um and uh Uh, Julia was just furious and she she was really old at the time she's since passed and um, she was really lovely but she got for some reason she could just hear the the sweeping (laughs) and she was just calling everybody to make the noise stop and it was really funny Um, and uh, I got teased endlessly because of it Uh, but yeah it was a really special visit from her and we have our signed poster by uh julia adams in our lobby that's a permanent thing so definitely make a pilgrimage to come see that um sometimes the guy there's a guy in town who has a giant creature from the black lagoon van nice. um, <laughs> it pulls up and kind of parks in front of the academy i have no idea who that is but please come back that's always really <laughs> yeah, fun to <laughs> see. introduce yourself yeah totally um and and you know it is the creature is one of the You know official universal monsters but unlike Dracula and Frankenstein you know this movie came out in 1954 so it really has a totally different horror flavor it's a sci-fi horror. it's atomic age um, movie that that um, really feels different but it's it's kind of the end of an era a classic universal horror monster. Era, um and uh you know it's just going to be really exciting to have a, a you know every t- every year there's just a new generation of people who get to experience the you know the power of the movie. The, yeah, did you want to I was rambling. Well, no, I,
0: I are y'all going to be installing them like misters and the
1: headrests or? <laughs> or there kind? was a, a brief mention that we were going to get it in three D, but no, we're doing this in two D. Okay. I want to make sure everybody knows that sure. we might do it in three. We've done it in three D in the past. Personally, I'm a fan of the 2D version. The anaglyph 3D to me is just a little distracting. Uh, but I, I think it's a fun experience and we will totally do it again. Um, but I, I really, I really push, I really push for people to not be dismayed by seeing it in 2D. It is, it's a, to me the uh, a superior experience. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I recently went through. A modern 3D craze or a uh, 3D craze, 3D um, fad of yeah. trying to watch them at home. Yeah. And uh, I quickly remembered why the yeah. gimmick was uh, got yeah. old in the first place. It was fun for um, whichever Friday the Thirteenth. I guess it's three. Um, yes. that was in 3D. Yeah, and, we played that. Yeah, great. yeah, and it was like they really took advantage of the depth of, of field, and if it, it, there were some real like just gimmicky gags in it but also interesting texture but for the most part you just get a superior uh, more um vibrant picture you get a sharper picture you get a it's it's brighter um so i'm with you there i will say that this movie i have like brief or you know vague memories of watching as a kid like you're describing like it's a great way to introduce your kids to kind of monster movies so i Watched it in that context, but I'll be really curious to watch it as an adult with a whole new appreciation for for film and not getting bored as a kid or whatever my reaction was back then. I will be like so excited to see um, to see it in the theater with other people like different generations of people.
1: And it's August. It's it's the it's a swamp horror right. plat- You know, it's the original swamp horror, perfect for a nice hot august day you know so it's really the the time is right to pull it out again i think and um i know i want to give a quick sh- shout out to uh, the woman behind the creature mask she doesn't get talked about a lot but there's a really cool book about her her name is mellicent patrick um she was also an animator for disney and she's famous for working on the night on bald mountain sequence in the original fantasia um and that's that to me was a super memorable childhood sequence and i you know everyone can remember the satanic it's called the chernabog that's what they call that creature but she worked on that and she's who came up with the you know they have pictures of uh what the creature looked like before she designed it and i don't think it would be getting nearly as many instagram likes <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah yeah it's like a
0: predator it, situation yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's much uh it's more um androgynously, you know there's no gills on the face you know no one be calling it in you know it's uh, the creature is also known as the gill man so they're interchangeable you know in, interchangeable terms um, but I also really love the music um, in uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and I was pleasantly surprised to find out that um, one of the composers, Hans J. Salter, um, there's three composers who did the music for it, and he also worked on Bend of the River. So last year when we played Creature, we had a Julia Adams double feature um, in I believe it was July, um, and we played Bend of the River with creature from the black lagoon and bend of the river is the i think it's made the same year um and that's a orgonian technicolor western movie um and the music is really great in it and it, it's it's funny to me that the monster movie um just sort of reused some of these themes so you'll hear great western music in this swamp horror um and you know the interviews with julia it's really funny because you know when she when they when She kind of did, you know, what what roles were assigned to her by the studios at the time, Universal. Um, And when they were given a monster movie like this, they were all kind of like, ugh. (sighs) You know, it was, these these movies were not looked uh, up to. You know, they were looked down upon. Uh, And uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon kind of helped change some of that. You know, it's, it's not a technologically... Um, crazy advance, you know, but some of the underwater filming sequences, especially they did it in 3D, that was, you know, very innovative at the time. So it, it, it really is... Um, just a groundbreaking movie um, for horror and cinema in general by changing that perception of horror movies a little bit from being just reduced to kind of just b movies it was a really big popular movie sure james cameron eat, eat your heart out yeah <laughs> all right so that's creature and now we're gonna have uh, the deep cut series pick for the month uh, it's a little movie called big wednesday from 1978 jan michael vincent is matt johnson a reluctant hero to a generation that would forget him. Billy Cat is Jack. He was the first to accept responsibility. Gary Busey is Leroy, the masochist, a careful student of the art of being reckless. Big Wednesday, the story of a generation, of every generation, growing up, leaving home, changing. Some marry. Some die. Some search for a new spot. It's going to be like nothing anybody has ever seen. Uh, Here's the description. Uh, Three friends, 12 turbulent years, and one day we all must face. A riveting coming-of-age drama, Big Wednesday, chronicles the friendship of three surfers from 1962 to 1974. Leroy is the rambunctious masochist played by Gary Busey. William Cat is the straight-faced Jack. And Jan Michael Vinson starts as Matt Johnson, the most talented at surfing of the group and also the most self-destructive. Big Wednesday is a semi-autobiographical semi-auto- passion project from one of Hollywood's most talented writers, John Milius, Apocalypse Now, Conan the Barbarian, who brings a sincere meditation on California surfing and growing up through a turbulent period of American history? No matter what rolls in on the tides of time, we all must face that one big day. Okay, so it was. I, I'm gonna guess that this movie was a little new to you.
0: When you... Yes, it. Um, I love coming-of-age dramas. Um, so that Yay. that's that's a genre that is uh, very appealing to me, and it sounds like. It evokes like eternal summer, but that's such a, that's a documentary. That's just, like mm-hmm. such a yeah. summer staple from a vibes standpoint. Yeah. Um, so maybe it'll have, you know, some overlapping imagery, you know, Point Break is a, a surfer classic,
1: but. And also with Gary Boosie. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to see how Gary Boosie rode the waves before Point
0: Break. Yeah. But no, but this is in title and everything else you just said completely fresh to me so
1: (laughs) and this is definitely one of the it's probably my deepest deep cut and and i really want this is a movie i'm very passionate about i'm really excited and to me it's the perfect end of summer reflective you know thinking about your life movie um and it's really contrast to orca and switchblade sisters the two movies i played beforehand and is a little more akin to elephant man which i played in may um just because it's we're 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 going into the soul now, but we're having a really good time. Cause it's the summer while we're doing it. So one of my, uh, favorite scenes in this movie is just a it's just a fun party scene and it's one of my favorite party scenes of all time and and if there's one thing you can take away from this movie is crashers 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 (laughs) crashers (laughs) um and but why did i play this movie i just want to explain and i really again i feel really honored to have uh this medium to talk about this this movie and, and get to explain why i'm choosing it a little bit first and foremost is to just introduce to people Jan Michael Vincent. So I don't think a lot of people are super familiar with this actor, but to me, he is one of the most naturally gifted actors of the 1970s. And anytime I see him in a movie, it elevates it, you know, threefold. It is, he is uh, just super startling. And this movie, the one of the most powerful aspects of it is the duality between Jan Michael Vincent as a person and his role as Matt Johnson. So um, the sad thing about Jan Michael Vincent is he had a really promising career um, in the 70s, um, and then he had just... Uh, Uh, unfortunate addictions to substances and they really just destroyed such a really wonderful, promising career. Um, And most people, I think, are mostly familiar with him through the TV show Airwolf, but he really was just disintegrating and I I almost try not to watch things in the 80s with him. Uh, There's a couple movies I just love from the 80s with him in, but it's really sad because if you watch the movies in the 70s, he's just so vibrant and he's not a technical actor. He's not like Gene Hackman Uh, Maybe Kurt Russell Kurt Russell has a naturalism to him too But this isn't a guy who's studying acting Every moment of his life And went to Juilliard or something like that This is just a guy who just has Has something about him That's just really special And really connects to the viewer um I, I i people who i show jam michael vincent movies to um they they, they can feel it um so it, this movie is the story of three friends and and the connection and chemistry between them is is really unlike a lot you know i think jaws is another movie that has three uh, core people in it that really bond and have a beautiful chemistry and this is gary boosie who's a great supporter. He's in a lot of stuff in the seventies and he just, he really just elevates again. Just, he's great as the masochist in this movie. He's just a ton of fun to watch. Um, and uh jack the other the the third member is played by william Cat, who most people would remember as the hot guy from carrie so (laughs) and i will say that my summer gift to everybody in portland this summer is to see all three of these people shirtless for nearly two hours there we go (laughs) yep so yeah william Cat will be shirtless for the majority of this movie gary Boosie, you wouldn't think be as attractive shirtless but he looks pretty good okay. yeah um,
0: what's the what's the chest hair situation
1: uh very minimal chest okay. hair on yeah, all I of these he's, he's these are young hair, yeah. yeah and it's the chronicles it's it's them losing their innocence in a way but it's also kind of like american graffiti this was called sort of the american graffiti of surfing um uh it's chronicling this end of the 60s lo- or beginning of the 60s losing their innocence and becoming the sort of chaos of the 70s okay. but it's it's light on that it's not just about the times it's about the friendship and it's about the characters but it's also a mood piece in an atmospheric movie um and this is again this is the second reason that i play it. this is a movie i watch every five years and I reevaluate my life. This could change about how you think about your life. And the, the, the concept of big Wednesday is just whether you like it or not, your life is going to have a summit. There's going to be a day that's your big day and you might not be ready for it. It might not be good. It might be amazing, but when you die, there will be a peak in your wave. And we just have to accept that and we have to realize that life is a wave and we have to ride, you know, ride that. But at the same time, there will be a crest that will happen. Yeah. Um, And that's just something we have to face.
0: You might. Yeah. It's not something you people are good at being aware of. in the moment in movies, we have like the lens to look back on the high school experience or like if you peak way earlier than you would have hoped or expected that can be very bittersweet to kind of be nostalgic about those times. And it isn't until you can really reflect after long past your peak that you would even know when it, when it was. So that's interesting that you kind of have this um, uh, spiritual or philosophical relationship with the movie where you are forcing yourself to kind of come to grips with that. I mean, um, this was... I hadn't heard about it at all, so I am really excited, kind of, about the depth. It, I'm sure I'm gonna like it just aesthetically from from what you're describing, but the emotional heft as well, and the actor you're talking about. I don't have any relationship with, so that'll be um, exciting. I'm sure I'll recognize him from random things, but um, yeah, not doesn't doesn't spur any immediate reaction. Um, you probably said this, but. They are high school age or or older, the characters, not it, the actors.
1: They, I believe, start out in high school. Okay, um, but the whole school <laughs> sure. part of it is 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 pretty downplayed. Um, there's they are they're living with their parents and stuff, so it feels very like Animal House. You know, they're, I guess they're in college, but yeah, it feels very much like there's the parents and then there's them, the kids and stuff. Um, but, it, so it, it, but I, it has a similar, I guess I'm, I'm kind of making a little bit of a pattern here with some of my other movies. So it's a deeper emotional movie than maybe um, some of the other ones. But so Orca really, you know, and same with Switchblade Sisters, they do, they're all doing something that I didn't really realize. And I'm sort of realizing myself that I think this is something that's really attractive to me um, in film is to uh, set up something as a really fun premise and get the get the ball rolling in a fun way and then pivot quickly to a deeper emotional thing um and so this movie has a really good balance of that that's that's strikingly different than a lot of other movies but coming of age movies you know i think i think often do do that and i'm like you i'm a big fan of a lot of these and this is a really good one Um, so that is, uh, and I guess I, we got it before we move on completely. It's directed by John Milius. He's a serious Hollywood heavy. This is a passion project of his. He is putting his all into this. Um, he's responsible for Dirty Harry. He um, wrote Apocalypse Now, uh, Conan the Barbarian. So he's he's directing, he's writing, he, he's really putting everything he's got, and he's got a really... Um, a good grasp on the subject matter because this is basically the life he led. Um, so it's really just kind of beautiful to see, um, an artist, um, tell the story they want to tell. Um, and this movie did not do nearly as good as people hoped for right. and be, sort of fell through the cracks, but it just makes it even more of a perfect cult movie to revisit right. now. Um, so that's big Wednesday all right so let's get deep into week three so week three is august 25th through 31st and we're starting out with an all-time masterpiece i'm very very proud which to one announce. are you gonna say yeah who <laughs> it's uh david lynch's 1986 film blue velvet hell yes found the year. one name that keeps coming up is this woman singer Where are I? the first thing i need is to get into her apartment i don't know if you're a detective or a pervert oh, so do you like the way i feel <sighs> and I still see Blue all right here's the description Director David Lynch, Eraserhead, The Elephant Man, takes you on a surreal journey that peeks through the windows and over the well-trimmed hedges of small-town America to discover murder, mystery, and perversion. His hero, Kyle McLaughlin, finds a severed ear close to the trail uh, whose trail leads him to a uh, detective's daughter, Laura Dern, and a mesmerizing beauty played by Isabella Rossellini with a terrible secret. Dennis Hopper's ferocious performance as the sadistic villain, Frank, is legendary. Disturbing, astounding, and sometimes oddly comic, logs, logs, logs. (laughs) Uh, I had to do that, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Blue Velvet is unlike anything you've ever seen before. One touch and you'll never be the same.
0: Okay. um, Take it. Yeah. (laughs) David Lynch is easily my favorite uh, director, filmmaker writer. I mean, it's a singular type of storytelling and surrealist um, filmmaking that I don't know. Like I, I, I didn't, even watch any of his movies until maybe 10 or 15 years ago like so it wasn't yeah um the most like formative time yeah it maybe was the most formative time but it wasn't when i first started getting into movies and it certainly wasn't when i was younger so it was like Mm. all of a sudden opened up a whole new like way to view movies and view kind of like the performances you could get out of actors that are so weird and like so melodramatic and yet still be consistent within the world that he's creating it's not like camp for camp's sake it feels like very um genuine in the context of the movie it's it's just like it's you're fully immersed in one person's singular vision like a wes anderson or something visually and writing wise and you don't ever question (laughs) the like authenticity of it you don't ever it it doesn't ever take me out of it no matter how weird and ridiculous like the moments get and the, the the comedy like it's it's i don't know there's there's no other filmmaker like him i can watch i've watched this movie like on repeat every like week or so just wow. off and on i mean like so you know at, at various times yeah. i mean yeah i i absolutely love this movie i'm actually more curious um, cuz you've played a couple Lynch movies now: Alpha Man, Mahalands, yeah, and Blue a, Velvet, and Wild at Heart. It's been and a, wild big, at heart. That it's was a big first, Lynch year, yeah.
1: and that's why this it feels like end of summer. It's a great time to pull out Blue Velvet. It really, to me, seems like the season to you know to reflect upon this movie in particular, which I view as the quintessential David Lynch film. So to me, this yeah. is my absolute favorite david lynch and it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's one of the best movies of all time and i promise i'm not going to say that for every movie that we talk about but this is a serious masterpiece that should be revisited again and again um was very controversial when it came out um and uh, david lynch uh stuck to his guns and uh also produced by Dino De Laurentiis, yep. who gave us Orca, um, so there's that connection too. But this is this is a a, a really beautiful film, and I really think it defined what the, you know. People say the word Lynchian, you know, and I really think this is what it, it defined, and um, it really paved the way for Twin Peaks. Yeah, this is four
0: so, years ish before Twin Peaks right. debuts, and that becomes like a mainstream hit somehow. Yes. on network TV, which is insane, but because Twin Peaks is really weird as well. And not even by just TV standards, just in general, but this movie is, is more unhinged. Dennis yeah. Hoffer is <laughs> more unhinged. And it's anything. more
1: holistic. Unfortunately, yeah. between peaks, David Lynch leaves, yep. it gets fraught with problems. Um, and it, uh, that is not the case with blue velvet. Blue velvet is a complete vision that works from beat one to the very end. Um, and, uh, when I first saw it, uh, it was on VHS in 2007, I believe. Uh, I, it was one of the few movies immediately rewound, watched it again. Yep. I mean, I was just completely blown away and it really opened the doors to me for a deeper, different kind of cinema than I had seen before. I was more engaged with the medium because of this movie. Um, you know, and I had seen a lot of great movies just growing up. Um, but this one, uh, got on my radar when the 2007 box uh of twin peaks first got put out on dvd that was i was in high school at the time and i remember that those dvds went through the high school like wildfire it was an instant hit and it came had come out you know 15 years beforehand um but uh i was waiting to get my uh, my friend was watching it and he was telling me how great it was and i was gonna borrow it from him and i just went and got a vhs of blue velvet because i was waiting to watch twin peaks um and i was really excited and when i watched twin peaks i loved it but i could see that blue velvet was where he was developing the sensibility and you know for people who aren't aware that basically what lynch is is famous for doing and what he does in this movie is um and you can feel it in the title of the movie blue velvet it's hearkening back to a 1951 song he's creating uh an America that lives in the back of all of our minds that, um, is very picturesque and very perfect. Um, it's a traditional feeling of America and he's showing sort of the subversiveness that's underneath it yeah thus the ear yeah yeah, (laughs) and it's it's a weird and he's and he's blending it um but he's creating a a surrealist situation where you've got this kind of pop world um that underneath it has some really gripping problems um and um this movie you know it's uh we we can talk more about it i I have a feeling that this movie is going to make it to our review (laughs) episodes but needless to say if we haven't if we haven't blown enough smoke, mm-hmm. you should watch this movie. If you haven't seen it, you gotta see it. And if you have seen it, you gotta see it on the big screen at the Academy.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll offer one more, like, angle in for anyone who is familiar with Lynch and is maybe a skeptic or a little hesitant um, because of something like Eraserhead. Um, I'm talking to you, uh, Jamie, my girlfriend. <laughs> she likes Blue Velvet more than pretty much any of the other Lynch movies that I've I've um, convinced her to watch. She likes Wild at Heart as well because um, of Nick Cage, but Blue Velvet has a pretty linear uh, story. I mean, like a plot you can you can follow. If you're a little turned off by *Inland Empire* or *Lost Highways*, kind of um, confusion, confusing storytelling. *Blue Velvet* is very kind of straightforward in the plot, and just like the perform. I mean, obviously the performances are great. It's it's an accessible Lynch movie. Um, it is quintessential Lynch, like you said, but it doesn't. Go off the rails in some of the ways uh, that his other movies do,
1: narratively speaking. Mm. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really a fascinating movie that has a great cast. Another good in segue is if you like Jurassic Park. Laura Dern, she plays the lead actress in this movie. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin uh, from Twin Peaks is the lead. Um, But really, I think one of the most memorable thing is Dennis Hopper. So Dennis Hopper, this revitalized his career. Um, It's the same year as Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. So it it really, he was on fire in 1986. (laughs) As a villain. Yeah, yeah. and it changes. And you know, Super Mario Bros, uh, Waterworld, He, he, he becomes a different character um, uh, in 1986 that he uses again um, uh, and uh, it's it's really really powerful to see okay what we only have one left all right so this is our last movie for the August series and it's still playing from August 25th through 31st uh, it's 1991's hook we have to fly we have to find you. Man, we have to save Jack. Okay, he's back. Who? Dustin Hoffman. Robin Williams. Julia Roberts. Bob Hoskins. I hate, I hate, I hate
0: Peter Pan. Hook. Rated PG. Starts Wednesday. Theater near you.
1: Directed by Steven Spielberg and nominated for five Academy Awards, Hook stars Robin Williams as Peter Banning, a forty-year-old corporate takeover lawyer who has lost any memory of being Peter Pan. Peter and his family travel to London to visit Granny Wendy, played by Maggie Smith. Love Maggie Smith. This movie uh, and his children are asleep in the same bed, in the same bedroom where the original Peter Pan story began. When there is a blinding flash. Peter comes into the room to discover a note from Captain Hook, played by Dustin Hoffman, informing Peter that he has kidnapped his children. Granny Wendy now tells him who he really is and encourages him to transform himself back into Peter Pan of the past. With the encouragement of Tinkerbell, Julia Roberts, Peter once again takes wing, and it's off to Neverland to rescue his kids.
0: All right. All right. This uh, obviously is um, a movie. What year did it come out? Nineteen ninety-one. Yeah. So people grew up on this movie. A lot of nostalgia. A lot of iconic like scenes and characters from it. Um, I I can't remember. Like I remember my sister watching this movie more than me for some for some reason. So I wonder what what you're like. Is this a big nostalgia movie for you?
1: I mean, I can't remember a time before Hook, and <laughs> I grew up watching this VHS. I had it. Yep. I mean, we watched this movie over and over again. This was my introduction to Dustin Hoffman. Um, you know, I just I I love uh, um, the movie. Um, but uh, let me just contextualize it a little bit and just say that this is Steven Spielberg's baby, and this is kind of his movie this is movie right before Jurassic Park and i always think of Steven Spielberg's career as you know kicking off with Jaws but he he really develops his style and has this kind of cinema groundbreaking run from Raiders to Jurassic Park you know he's got E.T. he's got Hook in there you know Jaws was groundbreaking too but it doesn't you know feel as it doesn't have that Spielberg feeling that radically changed cinema the same way that Raiders does, the same way that E.T. does, the same way that Jurassic Park does. They have this feeling that it, to now, for a lot of people, just feels like a big budget movie. Right. Um, it, it 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 changes. And Hook is him developing that style and you know radically changing cinema. It, the 90s kids movies were are born from Hook. So he creates these set pieces that are fantastic these production designs filled with graffiti and skating ramp and neverland the pirate town that all the pirates live in uh these were replicated specifically the the lost boys camp in like every 90s kids movie this set the the precedent for what a 90s kids movie should be like but not every filmmaker has the skills
0: to pull off the, the frenetic, I mean like that type of action choreography and filmmaking. And I was just rewatching Raiders recently and marveling over the, the camera, the way the camera was moving. And I, I can't imagine, I mean, you appreciate that when you're watching as a kid. Um, but you, you appreciate it subconsciously. I will be, interested to watch a movie like this that um that i didn't like i wasn't paying attention to that when i when i first saw it so to pay attention to the filmmaking would will be interesting not to make it too you know academic of an exercise yeah but
1: it, it, i mean when we watched free willy i mean i can see elements of free willy the skate park scene and all that stuff i mean that's really hook like i mean in a lot of these movies in the early 90s i grew up watching they're putting in scenes with skating and and young kids being rambunctious and stuff and it really feels like these lost boys from hook and rufio rufio was i mean every kid wanted to be rufio rufio yeah. Feet. Rufi. Uh, yeah. you know, Bangarang. There's so many great things, and I'm really excited for another new generation of kids to fall in love with this movie. So this is going to be another one of those great mix of kids, uh, people my age, becoming kids again, watching a movie about an adult who's a kid, and and all this coming of age stuff, and then kids seeing this movie for the first time. So it's going to be a pretty incredible experience. Just to be in the Academy watching this movie with people.
0: it It's starting to make me a little sad. And I've been thinking about this the last couple weeks. Um, I mean, we're only at the beginning of August and we're talking about, you know, the next couple weeks of August, but then summer's over and you, yeah. th- this programming is really kind of going to hammer home that, that season, that change of season and, and change. I mean, don't get me wrong. I couldn't be more excited for, um, Uh, my birthday month of September and then October, my favorite movie month of the year. But uh, this will, this programming will make us feel nostalgic for summer while it's, while it's in progress of ending here (laughs) and while it's probably 115 degrees. So the AC is working well at Academy. I'm pretty (laughs) sure (laughs) it is. And
1: it really is a great summer adventure movie, kind of like The Goonies or something yeah. like that. And you know, but we got just a great cast. You know, it's Robin Williams when he's at, you know at Aladdin peak, um, and uh, we got Dustin Hoffman who's older, and he's just I I love love Dustin Hoffman, and he's great at Cap- Captain Hook. This is a movie that uh, a role that some actors of his caliber might just kind of. Uh, phone in Mm -hmm. so they can do their art movie or something. And uh, no, he is giving Spielberg 130% here. Um, And he's supported by Bob Hoskins uh, as Shmi. And I think he, uh, you know, just really steals the show every time I watch this movie. Shmi is really fun character. Um, And uh, yeah, I I really think that people are going to connect to this movie. And, and just the, the, again, that the, this sort of duality, uh, between 90s kids who grew up in the 90s like me watching this movie now that's about a guy who's older now having to reconnect with his childhood the movie is about nostalgia in a way um but at the same time it is a perfect fodder for kids and i think it really uh can open the door for some kids who um aren't getting a lot of movies like this today you know if we contrast this kid's movie to like how to train your dragon you know that's obviously an animated movie but this has a sense of wonder to it that is strikingly different you know and um, that that is a beautiful thing and I, I really think that could connect with some kids I'm
0: so excited for the the next month's slate. It's uh we talked at the beginning about you know the Barbenheimer phenomenon yeah but um who knows what the actual like new release movie schedule looks like so yeah. I'm th- I think it's prime time for the next couple months for the revival series to yeah to fill in those those gaps um dare I say there's not going to be another movie anytime soon uh, <laughs> like Barbie that's uh that that's that level of popularity so I don't know. Uh, it's really exciting for me to just have a regular habit of going to see older movies, ones that I already love, but also ones that I've never seen before for the first time in a theater. It doesn't really matter to me. Like I'm not only just seeking out the ones that, um, that I already love. It's, it's great to be surprised by an older movie that you haven't seen and in, in worst case scenario you're going to have a better experience being locked in focusing on it at a theater than than watching it at home and in my experience it's always more meaningful and and more memorable that way
1: and that's that's really our mission you know to give people a, some classics that they really love and to bring attention to some movies that have fallen through the cracks as well and, and give a real good balance also in conjunction with our new first run movies. So it's going to be a great few weeks at the Academy coming up in August. I really highly encourage people to get their tickets beforehand online um, and please be patient with us as we're navigating the new POS system and the, the breaking of our box office window is that uh, hopefully that'll get replaced soon. But uh, thanks for your patience in advance about that, everyone. Um, so yeah, next episode, that's, that's the whole month there. And our next episode, we're going to give our review of a couple movies from July. Um, we're going to do uh Killer Whale Week, um, which is uh, Free Willy from 1993 and Orca from 1977. So if you haven't seen, you didn't get a chance to see those at the Academy, that's okay. Um, You can get a little teaser about them from our last preview episode um, and watch them at home if you want to, but get excited for that episode to come out in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, and um, the easiest way to, our release schedule is a little fluid at the moment. Basically, we're doing... A preview of what's to come, and then we're doing a recap of um, some of the highlights from the month before. But based on you know the scheduling calendar, it'll be roughly every other week that we release an episode. But if you find us on Apple or Spotify by searching Academy Revival Podcast, and then subscribing you don't really have to worry about (laughs) the release schedule. You'll just get a little notification that there's a new episode.
1: Yeah. Thanks for facilitating Drew. And thanks to everybody else for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time.